And if you have your Bibles, if you will turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. We, as a church, walking together through the Articles of Faith of East Aboga Baptist Church. If you're joining us, if you're visiting with us, what a great time to be visiting us each Sunday morning as we walk through these Articles of Faith. This is what we believe as a church. These Articles of Faith were written the day that East Aboga Baptist Church was founded on November 7, 1835, coming up on 183 years as a church. Amen. Amen. What a testimony that is. And uh, we're praying for at least 183 more years, if not more than that, or until Jesus returns. To your right, my left, you see in this picture frame here, uh, that is uh, the original writing, uh, handwritten writing of our Articles of Faith. You can come look at that at any point in time. Um, well, after I'm preaching, that is. Uh, you can come up during, I suppose, but uh, hopefully security would catch you before that. Um, no, they won't do that. Just don't run up here. Um, but uh, we're walking through the Articles of Faith, and it's so neat to be able to see the progression uh, that of, of these Articles of Faith, of where they start, and kind of the progression of where we are now and then they'll continue to progress uh, until the last article of faith, which is the article of faith number 12. There are 12 of them. And so it's really neat to be able to see this uh, progression of starting with the Trinity and then moving on. You know, last week we discussed um, the fall of Adam and sin and, and that we are guilty with Adam and that his sin and guilt is imputed into us. Uh, and, um, and so we discussed that apart from Christ, we uh, are doomed, uh, we're nothing, and that we are in desperate need of help. Uh, it talked about, uh, it used the term extricate, that because of our sin, you cannot extricate yourself out of your sin uh, through works. And so there's no way you can get out. That term, uh, if you remember, is used... Uh, on a scene of a car accident when someone has to be cut out of a vehicle using what we call the jaws of life. They have to be extricated out, meaning they are in a desperate situation in that car. They have tried to get themselves out of that car. They cannot get themselves out of that car. They have worked and worked and worked and tried to remove themselves from this wreckage. They cannot extricate themselves out. And they have to rely on the only hope they have, and that is for someone to come to their rescue to extricate them out of that wreckage. And, and we said that you and I are the same. In our sin, we cannot extricate ourselves out. We are in the wreckage of our sin and bondage of that sin, and we have to fully rely on someone, something to come to our rescue to extricate us out. Uh, and so that is where we begin today. What is that? How does that happen? And uh, what is the hope that we have? And so you read in your worship guide, Article of Faith number four. This is what it says. We believe in a covenant of grace in which the salvation of the church of Christ is secured. 
We believe, there's two parts to this. One, we believe in the covenant of grace, and we'll talk about that, in which the result of the covenant of grace, in which the salvation of the church of Christ is secured. Amen. Amen for that. Praise the Lord. And we will discuss the second part of that a little bit today, uh, but two Sundays from now, uh, we will discuss even more about that. And so, uh, and we'll hit on a little bit next week. It's hard for me not to get ahead uh, because of the, the articles of faith that are coming up. And so, uh, but we'll, we'll discuss these today. Well, in Ephesians chapter 2, you know this verse. We read this verse last week. And so we're going to read it again. And so if you are able to, if you can, if you'll stand as we read Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 8 and 9. Paul says to the saints in Ephesus, to the church, what a reminder this is for you and for me, dear brothers and sisters. Verse 8, for you are saved by grace. Saved by grace through faith. We're not going to hit on that part today. That'll be next week. For you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. You remember, you're in the wreckage of your sin, the bondage of your sin, and you cannot extricate yourself out. You can't get out. If you are stuck in a car that you, you're in a ditch, you're wrecked. You will try, you, it would be foolish for you not to even try to get out, wouldn't it? It, that would be a foolish thing to do, to sit there and not even try to get yourself out because you know you're in danger. The problem is most people don't know they're in danger, so they're not trying to get out. And it says, this is not from yourselves. You cannot extricate yourself out. It is God's gift. Amen. Verse 9, it's not from works so that... No one can boast. And you remember we said last week, if you're in a car accident and the um, uh, firemen and, and the, the EMTs, all of them come to your rescue, they cut you out of your vehicle, there's no way you can get out and say, oh, I got myself out yesterday in that car accident. You did. Oh, yeah, I got myself out. But I thought they cut you out. I thought they had to extricate you. Oh, no, I did it. Oh, I did that. No, that would be foolish. Well, the same goes for salvation. It's not from work so that you cannot boast, but it's only in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together. God, we need your power right now. I do. I know I do. I need it, Lord. I need your spirit. Lord, I totally trust and rely on it. Lord, that I would not say anything that doesn't need to be said. Hide me from error. And Lord, whatever is said today, God, I pray that it'll be put into our hearts because it's from you and it'll transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. We understand this idea of the covenant of grace really from the very beginning. <clears throat> you know, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, everything's perfect. Uh, all things are going well. They had it like they liked it. 
God said, you can eat from anything, you can do anything, just that tree right there, don't eat from that tree or you'll die. Well, the serpent comes along and says, well, God didn't really say you would die. Well, yes, he did, that's what he said. No, no, he's just afraid that you'll be like him and you'll see right from wrong, good and evil. You're not going to die. Well, you know what happens. They partake. And then Adam comes, and he partakes. And then the blame game starts, doesn't it? Well, you, you and I know that <clears throat> when Adam and Eve sinned, at that moment they became worthy of the eternal punishment and separation from God. The only thing they were worthy of was punishment. The only thing they were worthy of is eternal punishment and eternal separation from God. We're no different today. Because of sin, because of your sin and my sin, we are held liable for the eternal punishment and the eternal separation that is the punishment for that sin. But you and I both know that when Adam and Eve sinned, they did not immediately die. They did not drop dead in that moment. And that death was postponed to a later time. And you and I know that the moment we sin, we don't die at once and go to hell If so, guess what? There would be nobody on earth. There would be no one on earth. If the moment we sin, we drop dead, the Bible says the wages of sin is what? Is death. Well, we know that the death of Adam and Eve was postponed. We know that they began to die in that moment, but they did not die at that moment. And so we ask the question, why is that? Well, from the very beginning, God extends grace, extends grace. Now, listen to me. This is going to be hard for you to believe and understand, but it's biblical, okay? What did God tell Adam? He said, because you have sinned, what will you do? You will sweat by your brow every day. You will break your back and work every day because of your sin. What did he tell Eve? Because you have sinned, you will have a painful child labor. It will be painful. It will hurt you. Well, they didn't die. So in that moment, every time Adam, working out, working hard, back hurting, sweat coming off his brow, you know what Adam ought to be, you know what Adam ought to be thinking of? Praise the Lord. Thank you, God. You say, well, that's crazy. No, it's not. Adam ought to be thankful because of God's grace. The sweat that come down his face, the pain in his back from working the ground, all of that is a sign of God's amazing grace. Now, ladies, you know where I'm going, don't you? No, I've never had a child. I know that. And I know there's nothing I could ever go through. Listen, I've heard it a thousand times. I once had a headache one time that was almost as bad as having a kid. I know that, right? Heard your husband say that. I know in the middle of child labor when you're screaming and it hurts and and it's just awful. I know what you're not thinking. Thank you, Lord. Boy, what God's grace this is. Amen, God's grace. Hey, honey, you okay? I'm fine. Oh, God's grace. That's not what you're thinking. But if you think about it, isn't that a picture of God's grace? Isn't it? 
They could, Eve could have just died. God could have killed her right there. And he would have been just in doing so. But he didn't. He allowed her to live. And boy, God's grace was applied. Why is that? Why is it that sinners enjoy countless blessings in this world? How can God continue to give countless blessings to sinners who deserve only death and his just wrath? Not only to those who will eventually be saved, but also to those who will never be saved. Why is that? Well, the answer is grace. (laughs) Not just any grace, but God's grace. God's amazing grace. I want to cover two kinds of grace with you today. Those two kinds of grace is known as common grace and saving grace. Common grace is given to everyone, believers, non-believers. Saving grace is given only to the elect, those who repent and are saved through the finished work of Jesus. Well, let's look at common grace first. Common grace is different in, in saving grace in three ways according to uh, many authors and according to uh, many theologians and uh, Wayne Grudem being one of those, common grace is different than saving grace in three areas. In the first area, it's different in its results. And common grace does not bring about salvation when saving grace does. There's the difference. They're different in three areas. The first area is in the result. The result of common grace does not bring about salvation, but the result of saving grace does. There's two different kinds of grace. They're different in the recipients. Common grace is extended and enjoyed by all people, the believer and the unbelievers, where saving grace is only extended to believers, to what the Bible calls the elect. That's the difference. Common grace is extended and enjoyed by all people, lost, saved, doesn't matter, doesn't matter color of skin, doesn't matter where they come from, where they live, what religion they believe in, none of that matters. But it's God's common grace for all people. Whereas saving grace is extended only to believers. The third area where they're different is the source, where it comes from. Common grace does not flow directly from Christ's atoning work. Since his death did not earn any measure of forgiveness for unbelievers because they have not repented. <clears throat> but we have to include that common grace does flow indirectly from Christ's redemptive work. Why? Because the fact that God did not judge the world at once when sin entered, it was primarily exclusively due to the fact that he planned eventually to save some sinners through his death, the death of his son. So common grace and saving grace are different in their results. Common grace is extended to all people, enjoyed by all people, or excuse me, it does not bring about salvation when saving grace does. It's different in their recipients. Common grace is given and extended to all people, where saving grace is only extended to believers. And the source is different, where it comes from uh, through the redemptive work of Christ. Let's give some examples of common grace. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, the Bible says, He makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. This is common grace. It's extended to all people. The the evil and the good, the just and the unjust, it's extended to everybody. 
in our intellect. God has not given us totally over to our radical evil, not totally. And so there is common grace in our intellect. We do have the capacity to have some intelligence and understanding. Sometimes we do choose not to tell a lie. Sometimes. I know our disposition is to to lie, but sometimes we choose not to. You know what that is? Common grace. There is some level of intelligence. There is some level of understanding. This comes from God's common grace. It's extended to all people. Now, I'm not saying there's a lot of intelligence, (laughs) and I'm not saying there's a lot of understanding. What's the saying now that uh, common sense is a superpower? I'm not saying there's a lot of it. I'm just saying there is some, and that comes from God's uh, common grace. It's also seen in our morals. In God's common grace, he gives us an inward sense of right and wrong. You have within you, everybody has within them, not just Christians, but all people have within them a sense of right and wrong. Now, if we continue to get over to the wrong, God will, as it says in Psalms, give them up to greater and greater sin. This is why you see the level of evil that we see today, because God is giving them up to their sin and giving them up to greater and greater and greater sin. He's giving them the desires of their heart, and that's what they so choose. But we do have the sense of right and wrong. There's God's common grace in our creative minds. God has given significant levels of skill in in our artistic world, in music, in talents, in skills. They all come from God's grace, all of them. Everything you know, everything you have, all of your skills, they all come from God's common grace. You're no special than anybody else. It's not because you learned more than anybody else. It all comes from him, believer and unbeliever. It all comes from God's common grace. It's extended to all people. Why would God give you skills to do what you do while an enemy to him? You know why? Because of grace. That's why. God's amazing grace. Not only there, but we see God's common grace in our family, human government, schools, businesses, churches, nonprofits, hospitals, all come from God's common grace. It's extended to all people. Here's one thing we know. All the world, believer and unbeliever, all the world is completely indebted to God's grace. All the world. We are completely indebted to God's grace. Every unbeliever you know is completely indebted to God because of his common grace. The fact that God has not killed you in your sleep because of the sin that you committed yesterday is because of God's common grace. That's why. So when you wake up this morning, praise the Lord. Praise God. I deserve death. But because of God's common grace. Why does evil persist in our world? God's common grace. His common grace. The problem is none of these give over to salvation. None of them. 
We can enjoy our skills. We can enjoy our intellect and our intelligence. We can enjoy our inward sense of right and wrong. We can enjoy our artistic world, the music and talents we have. We can enjoy family, government, schools, businesses, nonprofits, hospitals, and churches. We can enjoy all of those, but none of those will give over to salvation. None of these merit God's approval or favor. You continue to provide and give to your children even when they act out or get in trouble, don't you? When your children act out, get in trouble, say things they shouldn't say, do things they shouldn't do, you still provide for them, don't you? You still love them. You still take care of them. It's not because they're gaining merit with you. It's only because you love them, because of grace that you're extending to them. Well, God is no different to us just because there is evil in our world and evil in our life he still extends common grace all of this should cause all peoples to see God's kindness and allow it to lead to repentance this is why why does God allow all of it to happen because in God's common grace it's the hope and prayer that his kindness will lead those unbelievers to repentance. That one day they will hear the gospel. That one day they would hear just how good God is. That one day they will understand how indebted they are to God's common grace in their life. That God has not given them over to the evil in their heart. That one day they would repent of their sin. That's common grace. Next, we see saving grace. <clears throat> saving grace. Well, we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It begins in verse 8, For you are saved by grace. You're saved by grace. The word grace, you know, means getting something you don't deserve. As an unbeliever, you don't deserve life. As an unbeliever, you don't deserve your intelligence. You don't deserve your skills. As a believer, you don't deserve any of that. But the only reason you have it is because of God's grace. You're getting something that you do not deserve. And we all know what it makes us feel like when we get something we don't deserve. Grace is getting something you don't deserve. The Bible says you are saved by grace. This term saved means sins forgiven, saved from eternal separation from God, made righteous. Today, people don't know what the term saved means. We have to change our terminology sometimes. What Saved from what? People will ask. I've had people ask me that. Are you saved? From what? Well, well you know. From your sin. Well, I'm, I'm not a sinner. Yes, you are. You get this back and forth. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. We have to understand that our terminology. We have to explain those things. And when Paul says we are saved, it means we're sins forgiven. What are we saved from? Eternal separation from God made, being made righteous. But I want to focus on one word. It's not being saved, and it's not grace. I want to focus on the little word, for you are saved by grace. I want to focus on that two-letter word, by. 
because that two-letter word by gives the source by which grace comes and how you and I are saved. You are saved by grace, meaning God is the one at work. The term by is referring to the powerful work of God. God is the one who saves. Amen? God is the one who saves. God is the one who reaches down, plucks out the lost, plucks out the outcast, the no good, the enemy, the useless, the sinner. You remember what the Bible says. It says we were born into sin. Adam's sin and guilt is imputed into us. We have a sinful nature with a disposition to sin. We lack any spiritual good in us. Our hearts are the most evil of all. We cannot please God. Jesus says, apart from God, we are nothing. You can't get any worse than nothing. What's worse than nothing? Nothing. You can't get any worse than that. And God says, apart from him, you are nothing. Oh, but the world will say what? Oh, no, you're not. You're something. Oh, you're something. You're somebody. You got this skill and that skill. You got all of these dreams that you have. The world will tell you you're something, and that will cause deception in the hearts of people to believe, I am something. I don't need God. God says, I'm nothing, but I am. I am something. I'm somebody. I'm special. And so it separates us from God. Even an evil world tells you that you're something, and because of that, it keeps you from God. But God says, you're nothing apart from him, (laughs) which tells us that you, my friend, you, I need God, need God. It is a necessity, and he does it because of his grace. Why? Why, oh, why? Would God reach down? The Bible says, apart from God, you're nothing. You'll never be anything. The Bible says that apart from Jesus, apart from relationship with the Lord, you are useless. You're a sinner. It says you're an enemy to him. You are no good. Amen to that, right? Oh, you came to church today, thought you was going to get something real refreshing and encouraging. Yes. Well, that makes you feel good, don't it? Listen, it ought to. Because what comes next is even better. God says, that's what you are. Why would God save somebody like that? And why would God send his son to down the cross for people that hate him? You know why? Because of grace, that's why. Because of saving grace. God's grace. Amazing grace. That's why. It's God doing it. Boy, God is saving people. God saving you. He does it not because of anything you have done. Why? Because you're a sinner. In my translation, they'd say, you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel. That's what it says. Well, that's not what, that's my own translation. Dirty, rotten scoundrel. John 6, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Draws him. You know what that means? You can't even get to God if you wanted to. You don't have the ability to. Bible says, no one comes to me, to Jesus, no one comes to Christ unless the Father who sent me draws him. You know what this means? You did not choose God, God chose you. 
God chose you. That's why this is exciting. That's why this is awesome. I wouldn't have chose me. I wouldn't have chose me. You know why? Because I know my heart. It's evil. You don't know my heart like I know my heart. My heart is evil. The Bible says it's the evil of all. It's the most evil. And when I read Scripture like this, and I think back on the day I got saved, it's almost enough to make a Baptist stand and shout that God chose me. He chose me. I didn't choose him. You know why? Because my disposition was to run from him, to sin, to be a sinner. But God chose me. That's why we praise him. That's why we owe him our lives. That's why we owe him our worship, our dedication, our commitments, our morals, our decisions, our faithful church attendance, our attitudes, our actions, our obedience. That's why we praise him. Because he chose you. You didn't deserve it. Man, you were a sinner. You were a low life, no good, never be anything, dirty, rotten scoundrel. And God said, I want him. I want her. That's who I want. Get him out of that darkness. Bring him into light. Pick him up out of that miry clay and set him on solid rock. That's who I want. That's why we praise him. Amen. That's why we sing to him. That's why we worship him. That's why we come to church with a smile on our faces. I tell you, God chose me. He chose me. Can you tell I'm fired up about it? Man, you ought to shout about that. Because God chose you. You didn't deserve that. What do you deserve? The Bible says what? Death. You, ch- you deserve death. And God gave God gave you the total opposite. He gave you life. Life. And not just life, but everlasting life. It doesn't end. Amen. Boy, it doesn't end. Would you join me in my excitement up here? Like, am I all all alone? I've been thinking about it all week, right? Just kind of building up like, oh, God's grace and grace and grace. I'm in my office. God's grace. I'm driving. God's grace. My air conditioner won't work. I don't know what's wrong with it. I'm banging on the dash. But I got God's grace, man. People are watching me drive. I'm like, bam, bam, what's wrong with my truck? Uh, air won't work. It's cold. Heat won't work. Come on. But I'm thinking about God's grace, man. God chose me. I wouldn't have chose me. But God did. And you know what? Here's what's crazy about it. God knows me more than I know me. And yet he still chose me. Wow. Wow. Can you just praise the Lord for a moment? Thank the Lord that he chose you. Amen. What does it say to God who chose you when you don't obey him, when you skip out on church attendance, when you sin in your life? What does it say to God? How would you feel if someone did that to you? We get a little upset in our heart if we do something good for somebody and they don't tell us thank you, don't we? Don't you? Oh, now, see, we've gotten religious now. Now we're not responding anymore. (laughs) This is a dialogue here, don't we? Do something good for somebody, pay for a meal, you know, help them out, give them gas, whatever, you know, this or that. And they don't tell you thank you, what do you think? Well, I tell, I won't do it again, I guarantee you that. Jerk, 
I'm not doing that again. Huh, you ungrateful little thing. I won't help you anymore. Isn't that what we do? Right? Oh, only three of us do that? Okay, whatever. (laughs) Man, how many times has God's amazing grace poured out over you and you didn't thank him for it? I don't think our problem's not enough, uh, too much emotion. We don't have enough emotion when it comes to God's amazing grace. That God reached down and saved you. You were dead in your sin, but he brought you back to life. He chose you. Because of God's saving grace, you go from death to life, from darkness to light, from his enemy to his family. You go from being useless to an ambassador, from being a sinner to being righteous. Amen. Amen. If you don't go to lunch today shouting shame on you, they're going to say, hey, what's wrong with table number 46? Like they're whooping over there and shouting they got a white paper towel waving it around, and what are they doing? And the waitress going to say, hey, they just came from church, and it's, and it's a Baptist church too, and they just learned that they were a dead sinner, and God saved them, amen? People ought to know that, right? Well, be excited, amen? Wow. The article of faith says, we believe in a covenant of grace in which the salvation of the church of Christ is secured. We also believe that our salvation is secured. Many people call it the perseverance of the saints or once saved, always saved. Paul says in Philippians 1.6, I'm sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Amen? Amen to that. Woo! Amen. Not only did he save you, he's going to keep you too. You know why that's such a big deal? Because if you could choose God, you'd unchoose God. You know that? If you could choose God, tomorrow you'll choose the world. But you didn't choose God. He chose you. And if God chooses you, you're safe and secure. Safe and secure. It's a promise that what he starts in our souls, he intends to finish. R.C. Sproul said it this way. The old axiom in Reformed theology about the perseverance of the saints is this. If you have it, That is, if you have genuine faith and are in a state of saving grace, you will never lose it. If you lose it, you never had it. Of course, we know there are some who were of the faith, but have since turned away or repudiated or recanted their profession of faith. John says in 1 John 2.19, They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. Means they never had it. Anyone can have an outward profession of faith without actually professing Jesus as Lord. Amen? Anybody can confess with their lips. Anybody can sing a song, Josh. That's right. It's more than a song. Anybody can do that. Jesus says in Matthew 15, 8, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Is that you? Are you honoring God with your lips? Oh, I love Jesus. I love the Lord. Yes, I love Jesus. But all week you live like hell on earth. You know what the Bible says? You're not of us. No. You can go to church you can, I love Jesus, yay. I'm saved, I'm a Christian. Woo-hoo. And then Sunday afternoon through the next Sunday morning, 
you don't look any different than the world around you. Shame on you. Shame on me. I'm not saying you're lost. I'm telling you that Jesus says, people honor me with their lips, but their heart's far from me. You can confess with your mouth and never believe in your heart. That's a scary place to be, dear brother. That's a scary place to be, dear sister, because you are deceived that your heart is secure in your salvation, and it is not. It's not. And you're trying to convince yourself as much as you can with your lips that you're saved, and you're not. In the greatest sermon, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says many will come to him saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do that in your name? But I went to church in your name. I I went to youth group in your name. I I went to fifth quarter in your name. I I went to VBS in your name. I, I gave some money to the church in your name. You know what Jesus will say? Depart from me. What does he say? You workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Mm. See, it's easy to come to church on Sunday and live like the world the rest of the week. It's easy to give lip service on earth. But what about when you stand before him one day? What about that day? Oh, yeah, we can be big shots on earth, can't we? I'll be a big shot. I'll go do what I want to. I'll just go to church on Sunday. Hey, it don't work like that. I don't know if there's any in here, but the Catholics got it wrong. It don't work like that. You can't live like you want to. Now, listen, God's grace is amazing, amen? God's grace is so amazing because when you do mess up, boy, his grace is right there to forgive you of that. It's right there. I'm not saying you can't never sin. I'm not saying that because we will. What about you? What about you, backslider? What about you, sinner? What about you? Bottom line is this, because God, because God saves out of his grace, we must praise him. We must. We must. Because God chose you, dear brother or sister in Christ, you must praise him. You have to, because he chose you. Amen? Boy, he chose you. Because God saves out of his grace, we must obey him. We must obey him. We are totally indebted to God. Because he chose me. I'm totally indebted to God because he chose me. And listen, because I know where I was and I, now I know who I am, that causes me to want to obey the Lord. I want to obey him. You know why? Because I know what he's done for me. I know what God's done for me. God didn't just reach out there and throw me a lifesaver every now and then. No, 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 no. Man, I was sinking deep in sin. I was far from a peaceful shore, man. I was dead. And God saved me. He saved me. That makes me want to obey him. And we must passionately pray. Listen to me. Do the last one. Because God saves out of his grace, we must passionately pray that he would do the same for our loved ones. Listen, don't be so narcissistic to think that you can go save anybody. It's all up to God. It's all up to him. Why? Because unless God draws them, they'll never get to Jesus. That's why you and I ought to passionately and fervently pray every day that God would draw men and women to him and that when that drawing happens, that they would repent. That they would repent. Because you and I both know that drawing won't last forever. One day, 
God, as it says in the Psalms, will give them over. Give them up to their sin. And that drawing will not happen ever again. He said, well, are you saying God sent them to hell? Oh, no. The invitation was on the cross. The invitation for salvation is in God's amazing grace, but they rejected him. They rejected him. God gave them over to the desires of their heart. I want to ask you a question. Is that you? Are you giving lip service, but your heart's not with the Lord? Are you going to go to God one day and say, well, I did all this in your name, and God's going to say, man, I didn't know you. I heard all the lip service, but I didn't know you. Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Is that you? Is your heart secure in the Lord? Listen, there may be some folks doubting. People do that. We go through doubt sometimes. I understand that. I don't, you know, I've been there before. We go through doubt. And maybe you're doubting today. Like, I don't know. What if I die today? Would I go to heaven or hell? I don't know. I want to ask you something. Are you trusting in Jesus right now? Right now. Do you know, you remember maybe a time where you repented of your sins and it was sincere. You know. So I, I know. I, no, 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 no. I remember that day. Man, it was sincere. I, maybe I've gotten off the path a little bit, but God, I know it was sincere. I, just, I know that. I know that. And that may be the case for you. Listen, is your heart trusting in Jesus right now? Right now. And if not, man, let's repent today. I'm not asking you to rededicate anything. I'm just asking you to repent. Maybe you are a backslider. Maybe you're like me and sometimes you fall. And maybe, just maybe through the scriptures, because of God's grace, he's reminded you of what he's done for you. And you want to come to God this morning and say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Lord, you saved me from my sin. You saved me from eternal separation. God, I was dead and you brought me back to life. And Lord, my repayment for that is that I am not living for you. I'm not obeying you. I'm not praying to you. I'm not dedicated, committed to your church. I'm not doing any of that. Lord, I'm sorry. But God, I want to repent of that today. Lord, I want to repent of that. What is going on in my life does not, does not look like Jesus. God, I want to repent of that. I'm sorry. God, what you've done for me, it doesn't deserve the way I'm treating you. And I'm sorry. Boy, maybe that's where you are today. Can I be honest with you? I'm there a lot. I'm there a lot. I'm a frequent uh, repenter. I repent a lot. Let's pray together, Father. Lord, work in hearts. That's all I can pray for. Lord, if there's people in here that they've been given lip service, but Lord, their life just not adding up. They know that. Lord, there's people in this room that need you. They need Jesus. And God, I believe that you're drawing them right now. Right now, you're drawing them in. God, I pray that they will receive that and repent. Hey, if that's you, listen, God's drawing you. You know it. You know it. You, you know it in your heart. You say, I need to repent and trust in Jesus today. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing. It's an invitation. We're inviting you to receive that drawing 
and trust in Jesus. Repent of your sins today. There will be pastors down here who would love to pray with you, lead you through that. But all you got to do is come to God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. Lord, I know that I'm an enemy to you. The Bible says that. And I believe that today. I never believed that until today. But God, I also believe that you sent your son to die on the cross for me. And God, you're drawing me right now. I know that. Lord, I want to repent of my sins right now. God, I want to turn to you. I want to trust in you today. Lord, I'm committing my heart and life to you. God, will you save me today? God, I've enjoyed your common grace. But Lord, I need your saving grace today. Would you save me? The Bible says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and he'll save you. Have you done that just now? I pray you have. And in a moment when we stand and sing, would you come forward? Let us pray with you. Let us cheer for you because all of heaven's cheered. Hey, I want to join heaven right now. I want to join them. But maybe you're a Christian here today. You say, I know I'm saved. I know that. But Pastor Mike, I'm going to tell you this. You've reminded me of what God's done for me, that he saved me. But my life doesn't look like it. Oh, man, my life, my decisions, they don't look like it. I've been making some bad choices. They don't look like God saved me, but he did. Hey, would you come and repent of that? There's no shame in that, is there? There's no shame in that because every one of us really could be at the altar praying. Father, have your way. Lord, any decision you're asking us to make, I pray we'll do that. May we not harden our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and sing with us all across?